Welcome back to NC Realtors Redefine, the NC Realtors podcast. On this episode of Redefined, we share an interview with Charlotte Realtor Erica Rucker, owner of the first African-American female-owned Century 21 brokerage. And from our Mobile Monday series on Facebook, Jake Randall from Midas IQ shares tax tips that will let you in on deductions that even the most experienced agents usually miss out on. But first... Do you have feedback on a story or topic that you'd like to hear covered on this podcast? Then give NC Realtors Redefine a call at 336-550-4437. When leaving your voicemail, be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. Your comments may be used on a future episode of NC Realtors Redefined. I am Carrie Epps Rashad. I am the Director of Business Development for NC Realtors, also the Diversity and Inclusion Staff Liaison to the Diversity Committee of NC Realtors. I'm Erica Rucker and I am the broker owner of Century 21 Rucker Real Estate. Hi Erica, thank you so much for letting us take the opportunity today to interview you. Thank you. Tell me, how did you get into the industry? Oh goodness, so this is a story that I tell. To a lot of people, um, I did not choose real estate. Real estate chose me. This was not something that I ever imagined myself doing. I just remember though, years ago, hearing this voice, and let me just preface for a minute, I am a woman of God, and I believe in the Lord. I love Him with all my heart, and I know that I would not be here today without Him. So I know, I remember years ago hearing this voice say to me, you're going to be a real estate agent. And I remember saying, no, I don't want to do that. That is not what I want to do. I do not want to be on anyone's commission. I want a nine to five, getting a steady paycheck. (laughs) But, and you know, and I dismissed it, but it never left me. And it took me seven years to actually go to school and take the real estate class. And sometimes I wonder, where would I be today had I did it seven years earlier? Well, that brings me to my next question. And I love that you are inspired by, you know, your faith. Mm-hmm. And is there anyone else that inspires you or who has inspired you in your professional career? Well, I will have to say there's a lot of people who have inspired me. One of which is um, my husband with his just unending, relentless work ethic. Um, He actually had COVID before COVID had a name and he was working every day during it and to the fact where he went to the emergency room and they was like, what are you doing? You should be somewhere in the bed. Um, Also, my children, they inspire me because they actually tell me all the time how proud they are of me and all of my accomplishments. And then of course, an old pastor um, he inspired me and don't even know, but he taught me a lot and probably didn't even realize he was teaching me. Um, and a lot of the things that he told me I'm actually using today in real estate. Of course, my mother who has, you know, taught me how to make a dollar out of 15 cents. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me how it feels to be the first black female Century 21 broker. So I have been a broker owner for the last 11 years 
when I affiliated with Century 21 back in October and became the first African-American female to own a Century 21 in the Charlotte and North Carolina area, it was very exciting. It was humbling. I, I did not, even though I took it lightly initially, I knew that it was a big deal for a lot of people, especially the older people. Um, I've had people to literally cry when I tell them that news. Um, I've had people to just, I mean, they, they would just go on and on and on about how that is such a big deal. And you know, back in the days, this could have never been. So I do, you know, I, tr I do not take it lightly. Um, um, it is a very humbling experience. And my hope is that, and I know I have a lot of eyes on me to do well. And so that is my hope and my motivation to make sure that I am an example for all the women that are to come and want to be owners. Good. I know you mentioned earlier that you're from the Concord area. Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite part about your work-life balance here in Charlotte, North Carolina? So I've lived in the university area um, after I graduated um, college and um, I like it. I like the growth that the university area is experiencing. I like the fact that I feel like I can go to any part of the city or any surrounding cities within 30 minutes or less. It has definitely grown as far as one of the top cities in the state of North Carolina to work and where minorities also have an opportunity to expand Absolutely. in their careers. So what was the industry like when you became a realtor? Very, very different from today. <laughs> it seemed like it was more of a balanced um, market. It seems like we had to do a little thing, do things differently as listing agents, but there were definitely enough houses out there for all the buyers who wanted to buy. So that was probably the biggest difference. And you know, we're here because it is Black History Month. We would love for you to share with us what diversity, equity, and inclusion means to you and why is it important in the real estate industry? Diversity, equity, and inclusion is probably the main reason I'm here today, you're here today, and we're talking. I think that companies as well as the real estate industry are realizing that, you know, everyone deserves a voice. Everyone deserves a seat at the table, so to speak. You know, um, it's evolving. Uh, we're seeing ourselves in ownership positions that we would have never had years ago. Uh, we're seeing ourselves being the first of things now, <laughs> which is just it's kind of funny that we're here in 2022 and, and, and are going through that, but it's evolving, it's changing, and it's very important because there are a lot of people in the world with different backgrounds, and they should be represented. Absolutely. So with that said, any obstacles that you have had to overcome in your career? And tell me if you have, have they, um, how have they made you stronger? Fortunately for me, I have not experienced a whole lot of obstacles that are, you know, different or unknown to any other real estate agent. You know, for example, you know, not getting the listing that I thought I deserved or not getting accepted into the leadership academy that I felt like I needed. Um, or, you know, having family members not want to use me because I, I promise y'all I had a family member who said to me, they were not going to use me because of the color of my skin. <laughs> 
So, I mean, just those kind of things. And it just makes me stronger. It gives me, you know, thicker skin. And it just makes me want to do well and excel. Well, um, based on the lessons you learned, what advice would you give other people of color trying to make it in the real estate industry today? Do not let money be your motivation. You know, be honest, have integrity, be on time. Work hard and pay attention to the small stuff, the little things. How would you like to be remembered? I would just like to be remembered as a blessing that I have helped a lot of people in their lives with buying homes. Guys, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be a part of this Mobile Monday and talk to you about five tax tips that um, for real estate professionals that could save you a ton of money on your taxes, okay? Um, so real quick, I'm gonna dive in. We're gonna go quick, okay? And, and I wanna give you a real quick background about me. Um, I'm the, the uh, co-founder of Midas IQ and um, I have a background in investment banking, mergers, acquisitions. I've ghostwritten hundreds of articles and books for the financial industry passionate about uh, education uh, for self-employed. Um, and uh, But that's not really why we are here. I just want you to know that I've spent thousands and thousands of hours working with some of the best attorneys and uh, CPAs in the world uh, to, to put together some of this content for you today. So um, I want to set the stage a little bit that taxes are your life's biggest expense. Okay. You're going to spend more on taxes in your lifetime than you will. Food, shelter, transportation, and clothing combined is by far your biggest expense in life. Uh, so if you're looking to cut expenses with inflation and all that stuff happening right now, um, taxes are a good place to start because you pay a lot of them. Now, sometimes they're hidden because you're paying sales tax and all this other stuff, um, different taxes, but income tax is definitely the biggest uh, for most people. And so we're going to try to cut that a little bit today. Okay. Um, the good news is we can help. Um, here's the here's a crazy stat. 93% of small businesses are overpaying on their taxes. That includes real estate agents. Uh, and I might even be higher on real estate agents. Um, I'm going to show you how to keep some of that harder money today. Um, but and here's the agenda. Okay, first, I want, in order to do this correctly, I need to debunk some incorrect thinking about taxes. So we're going to cover uh, some of those. Then we're going to talk about five strategies, maybe more if we have a little bit of time. I'll hit a few more. And then... Um, I'll show you what we can do after today to keep lowering your taxes. Okay. I know we only have a little bit of time together. So I want to make sure I can give you as much value as possible. First of all, let's talk about why 93% of businesses are overpaying their taxes. Why are 93% of businesses overpaying on taxes? Well, the tax code has become very complex over the years. Um, and the tax industry has not been able to adapt properly. Um, and that's not all their fault. Some of that's just us as the consumer not knowing what to do. Um, an example is going to be really helpful on this. Okay, I want you to compare what the wealthy do when it comes to taxes compared to the average business owner. So let's start with the uh, the, the uh, wealthy first. The way the wealthy save on taxes is this: they have an army of tax attorneys and CPAs that work for them full time. Okay, pretty easy. They dig out the best deductions. Those people are working to like find the best opportunities for them. When they have a decision to make, what equipment to buy, they find the most tax advantaged way to do that, 
Okay. They're proactively looking for ways to find, to save money on their taxes throughout the entire year. Whereas the small business owner talks with the tax professional once a year and they share an accountant with 300 other business owners. Uh, that might be an open, eye-opening statistic for you. But when you think about it, when you use some, an accountant, and this is just, this is not their fault. Accountants are amazing. And I highly suggest that everybody use one. You should never do your own taxes. Okay. Um, but you need to understand some of the limitations and how to play within the space. Number one, you need to know that they share that you're sharing that account with 300 other business owners. Okay. Which means that in no other industry do, do they give the accountant or, you know, the person like the accountant such little time to do it. They have to do 300 tax returns in for those 300 clients in like eight weeks. Okay. So their entire year is jammed into the, these short periods of time. Um, which means they have about two and a half hours to work on a tax return on average. Okay. So they cannot possibly do everything in the world. They do the best they can with the time they given and the, inf- and more importantly, the information that they've received. Most of the time they don't have all the information, but they can't be re- um, expected to know every single thing about your business because it is, is it is your business. Okay. When you understand this a little bit, um, you start kind of can start to see a little bit of difference. The wealthy are proactive and they do tax planning. The business owner, average business owner, I should say, is reactive. They do tax filing, not tax planning. They don't realize that it's different. Okay. But today, now you know. Okay. Now you know. The most important thing, the most valuable time you could do, uh, spend or money you could spend in your business is actually doing some tax planning um, outside of the busy season um, because your accountant doesn't have time during the busy season. They're just trying to cram as many tax returns through as they possibly can and do the best they can. It's really, I really feel bad for them. They've been getting, given a short, the short end of the stick there. Okay. Now let's get into some tax tips. Okay. Let's save you some money. Strategy one, healthcare. Okay. I know I pay, I pay almost more in health insurance than I do for my mortgage. It's kind of crazy. There's healthcare costs are skyrocketing. They were before inflation. It's a lot of money. Okay. There's ways to save money on this. Okay. Now we're going to talk about two things. I'm not going to talk a lot about a health savings account. Most of you know what a health savings account is but most of you probably don't know what a health reimbursement account is or a self-insured medical reimbursement plan. We're gonna talk a little bit about more of that, but first quick reminder, an HSA, pretty straightforward. You can put um, up to $7,300 as a married couple into a fund. Uh, usually you can set it up at your bank or something like that. And then it, it grows and you can use that money for uh, to pay for medical expenses. Okay, pretty straightforward, uh, but you're limited to putting in $7,300 a year married or $3,650 single, okay? And that number fluctuates every year a little bit. Um, pretty straightforward. I wanna to talk to you about a health reimbursement arrangement, okay? This has personally saved me uh, probably $40,000 in taxes over the last six or seven years. Um, it is a special benefit plan to reimburse all employees for medical expenses. Now, the reason you haven't heard about this is because big corporations would never do this. A big company is not going to, Walmart is not going to come out and say, hey, listen, if you have any medical expenses, we're going to cover 100% of it. They're going to come out and just pay for insurance, right? They're not going to pay for the medical expenses. That's on the the, uh, the employee. Well, there is a provision that's been doing, people have been doing this since 1955, um, where you can put in a plan in your business. It's an actual benefit plan that says, hey, we as a company will reimburse your uh, employee's medical expenses as a policy, and that's a write-off for the business, okay? It works amazingly well for self-employed people, okay? Here's how it works. Uh, Unfortunately, you do have to be married in most cases to do this. Um, If you're a corporation, you can get around it. Um, 
but there are some limitations uh, still. The, it's the easiest and cleanest way is if you're an LLC or self or you know or um, uh, sole proprietor. Um, but you can do this. Okay, here's how it works: you hire your spouse. You're actually going to pay them pretty. I mean, as little as possible, minimum wage, um, and but they actually have to work for your business. Okay, you put in place this health reimbursement arrangement that now says that you're going to cover all of the. It's so you're giving them. Sorry, let me back up. You're giving them a small salary or small um, wage, but you're giving them big benefits, okay? So you're playing with the small wage, big benefits um, lever. Um, and now the business gets to pay for the spouse's non-covered necessary medical expenses, which includes you and your kids and all that stuff. Um, but dollar for dollar, that means the deductible, the procedures, all of the things that you normally don't get any sort of benefit for um, are now deductible, dollar for dollar. Okay. Uh, before normally you can, you're already familiar with the fact that you can write off your insurance. Well, this actually makes your insurance 15, you get an extra 15% uh, cash back essentially um, in the form of tax savings uh, on your insurance piece as well. But mind boggling. So just, let's say you, uh, here's Mary without an HRA, she has $10,000 in out-of-pocket medical expenses, not deductible. Okay. Uh, with an HRA, guess what? She gets to write off $10,000 of that. It's an incredibly uh, valuable strategy that if you are married and you your spouse is uh, able to do anything, they could be doing paperwork, they could be sending mailers, they could do marketing, social media, they could do anything. But if you have the ability to have them involved in your business in some form or fashion, it, it's it's a crazy way to save on your medical expenses. Okay, and there's no cap; you can do it as high as you need to. Okay, um, you do need an administrator. Um, that makes sure that it's set up compliant. You are dealing with employment law. So you need somebody to put in place an actual official plan for you. Um, and they do all the paperwork and stuff at the end of the year. So you can give it to your accountant. Um, we don't do this. We recommend, uh, we've tried about a dozen of these companies. The one that we like the best is called task um, total administration services corporation. Um, you know, you can go and check them out if you want. We have some information, more information on this at hra.midasiq.com. If you're interested, um, help you qualify, but um, yeah, totally amazing. There's other people out there. If you want to go shop it, that's fine too. Um, but this is the one that we found that just is the easiest to work with. Okay. Strategy two, I know we're going fast, but we've been going for 10 minutes. I've only got a few more minutes. So strategy two, keep the money in the family. How would you like to deduct the equivalent of your kids' hobbies, education, college tuition, future weddings, and more? Well, the, the good news is you can kind of do it. Um, you can't do deduct those things directly, but you can indirectly. Here's how it works. You hire your kids and your grandkids. Okay. If you're going to support someone financially and you're going to do it anyway, why not write it off? Okay. You're going to pay for your kids stuff, right? You're going to pay for their college or their wedding or whatever. Why not write it off? The way you do that, um, is you pay, you hire them, pay them a reasonable wage. You got to keep timesheets. Um, but the first $12,950 that you pay them is income tax free to them because they, they don't pay anything right? it's equal to their standard deduction. Okay. They're also not going to pay any social security or federal unemployment tax. If the children are under 18 or they're incorporated and not a partnership. Okay. Um, amazing. So you can pay them up to $12,950. You write off the whole 12,950. They get that tax free. There's zero taxes paid anywhere there. Okay. Um, it saves you money. Now, <clears throat> They do have to um, work for hire. Um, they can't be like a baby. You can't pay your baby nothing. Um, now we always get into like 
people always have questions about like childhood actors and stuff. We don't have time to get into that today. Um, where there's a will, there's probably a lawyer that will can, can help you figure that out. Okay. Um, but generally speaking, there is case law that says you set age seven and older has totally held up in court. Okay. Um, documentation is important though. You must have them keep a wage sheet or a timesheet. Um, you want to have that. It needs to also be reasonable. You can't pay a seven-year-old hundred grand um, to clean your office, right? It's got to be a reasonable wage, okay? But let me show you an example of, of how my partner did this, okay? Um, this is how my partner paid for his daughter's college education. Uh, first, he needed a new website. So he went and got a quote from a couple different firms. They kind of, they came in at an average uh, cost to building a website of 25, or excuse me, $40,000. And he went to his daughter and said, who has wanted to go into digital design and said, hey, do you think you could figure this out? Um, I'll pay you $38,000, a little bit less than $40,000 to go figure out how to build the website that I want. Um, and um, so he ended up doing that. She built him a website. He paid her you know, less than $40,000, which was the market that he, he got quoted and was able to write off $38,000. Okay. Now, you're gonna, some of you are saying, but wait. You said it 1295 or 12,950 was tax free. That's true. The first is was totally tax free. Um, but his bracket was 37%. His daughter's bracket was 12%. The first 129,000 9, or sorry, $12,950 was tax free. The remaining remaining portion was only taxed at 12% instead of 37% had he kept the money. Okay. So net savings over eleven thousand dollars by paying his kids to do something that he could have hired out. Okay. Really amazing strategy. Pay for big ticket items or little ticket items, right? Doesn't matter. You do this, they pay for their sports, they pay for their dance lessons, they pay for soccer, whatever they want to do. Okay. Um, if you're not hiring your kids and you have them, it, uh, then you are missing out on a lot of money. This is something that uh, is a really great strategy, especially as a real estate agent. Strategy three retirement savings. Most business owners overlook their retirement savings dramatically. Okay. The biggest issue that I have with this is that they think um, that there's uh, an IRA or a Roth IRA, right? Neither one of them allow you to put away a significant amount of money every year um, with a little bit of research, or if you get a financial planner involved pretty quickly, they're going to show you a couple of things. I'm just going to talk about two really quick, a SEP IRA, which allows you to basically get a write-off for whatever you contribute. Um, and in this scenario, you could write off, you could put in up to $61,000 in a single year. You do have to meet like certain profitability requirements and things like that. Part of it has to be profit sharing. Um, and, or excuse me, all of that one's profit sharing. Um, but a, a SEP IRA allows you to put up up to 61 grand a year. So even more, you know, if you're, if you're older, um, some catch up stuff. The other one's a 401k, solo 401k, same type of a thing. Um, you can kind of split it out, have a little bit more flexibility. If I was going to do one, I would do recommend one. I would probably recommend you check this one out first uh, because you can also do some other crazy cool stuff with this later on. Um, you can even, um, if we had more time, we could talk about turning this into a self-directed one eventually um, where you could invest in real estate or whatever you want to do, crypto, what alternative assets. Um, but a lot of real estate agents want to invest in real estate, right? So if you do this correctly, you could dump a ton of money in to your retirement account and then start investing in real estate. Um, if you contribute, if you convert that to a self-directed, not enough time to go forward today, but just know that if you're not writing off a lot into your retirement account, 
you're missing out on a huge opportunity to lower your taxes and start cashing away money that can grow for you tax advantaged. Okay. Strategy four today, drive a second car occasionally. Okay. This one is, um, what do you think about this? Now this only works. I'm not saying go out and buy a second car. If you, this works, if you already own a second car. Okay. If you like, let's say you're a two car family and you got two cars, this one is amazing. Here's how it works. I want you to just focus right now on this one car. I'm going to set the stage here. So let's say you have a car and you, uh, this is just an example, right? Um, let's say you drove 22,000 miles for business. Another 2000 miles um, was personal because you could mostly drive it for business, showing homes and things. Okay. So 92% business usage. Well, 92% business usage means you can write off 90% of your gas and oil and your insurance, your repairs, your taxes, wash, wax, and all that stuff. Okay. So um, total operating expenses times 92%, you get to write off $7,000 plus you add depreciation. Basically it comes down to $12,348 is what you would get as a write-off in this example. Okay. Now let's say I have that $22,000, but I split that 22,000, sorry, 22,000 miles. Let's say I split that between two cars. I drive 18,000 on one and 4,000 on another. Same mileage that I drove for business, but I borrowed my spouse's car for 4,000 miles um, in this scenario, same 22,000 miles, but look, it unlocks expenses. And the big one is it unlocks depreciation on that second car. So now I get to write off 11.3 on this car and 5,000 on this car. So I get an extra $4,000 in uh, tax deductions just by simply using my spouse's car occasionally to do some business. Now I got to track my mileage and all that stuff as well but it's just a little trick that if you have an asset and it's not being used in your business, if you can find a way to get that used in your business, you're golden. Saves you a ton of money in taxes, okay? Um, kind of a cool play, cool cool trick. Uh, another one, mix some business with pleasure, okay? Find a legitimate reason to do business when taking personal trips. Uh, let's say you're, I mean, you're a realtor, you guys are in uh, North Carolina. Let's say uh, you wanted to go on a vacation to Florida. Well, normally that's not really a tax deductible event. But if there was a reason to go down there, um, perhaps uh, you set up some meetings to go uh, meet with some top brokerages in Florida to set up some relationships uh, where maybe you can refer clients moving to Florida, or you want to just go learn, mastermind, share best, best practices about what's working in their, uh, you know, their um, agency versus yours uh, or, or their brokerage uh, instead of yours and just share best practices. If you have meetings where you're actively trying to build your business, guess what? You can write off a big portion of those trips. We don't have time to get into all the details today, um, but start thinking. It's a mindset shift. When you start thinking about, I want to go somewhere, how do I possibly turn this into business? And then there, is there a strategy to, uh, to execute on that? Okay. Um, some really cool ideas. Okay. We got a couple minutes. I'm going to sneak a couple more in here really quick. Um, deduct your equipment twice. Okay. This is another fun one. Um, now this works when, um, let's say you bought some equipment. Let's say, uh, let's, let's say, um, uh, my computer, computer is a good example. My computer, I bought my computer, um, and I kept it for a couple of years, uh, and now it's depreciated. Okay. So, uh, my computer is totally depreciated, but it's still working fine. Well, now I've already written it off once. Um, so what I can do is I can actually gift that computer to one of my kids. Okay. So now, um, 
you know, let's say it's my college, my college, a college age child that's a college or whatever. I can gift that computer to them and then lease it back from them. Okay, you see what I did? I already wrote it off once. I'm going to gift it to them and I'm going to lease it. So I'm going to pay my kid who now owns my computer, but I'm going to pay him a lease. I'm going to sign a lease agreement and everything. I'm going to lease this from him and provide income that I'm writing off as a business, but I'm funneling it to my kids that they can use to pay for their college or whatever there is going on in their life. It's a way um, wealthy, the wealthy do this with all sorts of assets. It's crazy. So, but you're creating a stream of income for them. You're writing it off because it's equipment that you've now gifted away. It's not worth anything uh, on book value. And so now you're, you're getting that back. So really, really cool strategy, something fun to play with. Um, we don't have tons of time to get into it, but there are rules. You can't lease it for like crazy amounts of money. It has to kind of fit into like a market rate um, for leasing stuff. Um, but there's some really cool strategies with that. Strategy seven, cleaning a home office. This is one that I that most of you will um, qualify for. And I just wanna hit um, a couple of things. Real quick, we'll go over the basic rule. The basic rule is um, assume your home office is one eighth of the square footage of your home. Um, you can deduct one eighth of the costs associated with your home. Utilities, interest, taxes, depreciation, rent, maid service, alarm service, there's more. You know, anything you could justify as a home expense but you're using an eighth of the square footage of your home for that. And I just picked eight, an eighth. It could be a 16th. It could be a fourth, right? Of, um, depending on how your house is set up and how big. Um, it doesn't matter if you rent or if you own. Um, it, a portion of your rent could be uh, you know, deducted. But really, really cool trick. Um, something that you may not have heard about as well is something called um, the blueprint trick, where you can actually it's based on the square footage of your home, but you can eliminate common areas. So you take your blueprints of your house, eliminate all the hallways and walkways um, for calculating the square footage of the home office. And it actually um, makes the uh, numerator, uh, sorry, the denominator uh, smaller. So your per home office percentage gets bigger. So it might go from like one eighth to one sixth. And so you can write off more really cool, cool things that we can uh, teach you to do on that. But the general rule is that it must be used exclusively for business. It must be used regularly for business and it must be your principal place of business. Now, a lot of you, a lot of you share an office or have a sales office that you go into. As long as you're doing the majority, you're, you're, you have a, an exclusive area in your house that is used for business. You don't mix it with uh, kids don't do homework in there. It's got to be exclusive, like truly exclusive. It doesn't have to be a whole room. You could have a line down the center of the room, right? And half of it's used for something else and half of it's used for business. But it's got to be used exclusively for business. It's got to be used regularly for business, right? You can't just use it once a week and call it good. You got to be in it two or three, four times a week for 45 minutes a pop. Um, and it's got to be your principal place of business. If you have a sales office that you commute into, um, as long as you're just doing sales work there, you're okay. You can still qualify. Um, if you start to do a lot, like everything from that office, then you probably can't qualify. But as long as you're doing your administrative work, like you're doing your, your contracts and things like that at home from your home office, um, you're counting and all that stuff, then you could qualify and write off a ton of the expenses associated with your house. Okay. So that's it for me and uh, make your life less taxing. Okay. Talk to you soon. For the rest of this presentation and exclusive live Q&As with our industry experts, become a member of the Mobile Mondays group only on Facebook.
Be sure to catch up on every episode of NC Realtors Redefined by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud.